So I thought I would, you know, the question was, when am I going to talk about this? This issue of table fellowship and eating together. And so uh, we had a leadership meeting and we were talking about all of it and how we want to do the Yonegs and how important it is and configuring things and, and, uh, and all of it. Uh, and so I thought, well, I need to speak on this. But then I thought, when, when should I do it? Should we speak? Should I wait until the beginning of August? Uh, or the middle of July, because I won't be here the next two Shabbat mornings, uh, but, you know, or, or uh, you know, how, to, how do I do it? So I decided to talk about it now so that we can have it in our minds to sign up and look forward to it and so on, even though today we're not, we don't have it, uh, you know, uh, an Oneg uh, uh, today, but beginning next week, I will uh, be able to uh, participate in that. We want to talk about why it's uh, why it's important and and really uh, what it means uh, to us. And it is kind of interesting because you know eating together or just sharing food and drink not not even a, a not even a big meal whatever it may be, but sitting at the same table. It's really what we're it's really what we're talking about. Sitting at the same table with somebody. Okay, uh, from ancient times uh, to today. I, is I, I, something of a great, great uh, import, right? I, when we read about it in the Bible and, and uh, we read about it in uh, you know, other documents from the ancient world, I, it was a sign of uh, acceptance and inclusion and freedom and unity I, and a, a very, 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 very important I, horizontally you know, among people. I'm not going to take the time to read lots of the documentation on that, but it, but it's all available and so on. And of course, in the Bible, uh, there are plenty of examples of people eating together. In fact, if you were to take the time to do a study of every time we read in the Bible about people eating together, you would be surprised to see that much of the important words that are spoken by people in in covenant, you know, in making covenants and and uh, and in teaching and in uh, ministry take place before, during, or after a meal, and and so it's really quite uh, a, quite an eye opener. It's not just um, uh, something extra that that took place. Now, I'm just going to mention a few places in the Tanakh. There's lots of them, and I'm sure after the service, um, more than one person will remind me of something I didn't say. So I'm saying it right, right from the get-go, that I'm not going to include every single time that we read about eating, okay? Just trying to make some points. All right, so the one that's probably the, the most famous, right, is in Genesis chapter 18. Right where the uh, visitors come to Abraham and Sarah, right, and we know the angel—it's the angel of the Lord—and they come to to bring revelation about Sarah having a child, and and so on, and uh, and it takes place over a meal. But you know, one of the things that's fascinating about that passage is that there's eight verses to describe the meal. It doesn't just say. You know, they, they, the men came, they had a meal, and this is what they had to say. Because that could have been. We would get the same message out of it. But there are eight verses describing 
the preparation and the eating of the meal. Uh, that's always something to uh, to beware of. So, you know, it says, Now the Lord appeared to him uh, by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servants by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have uh, visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. And so now we read like more information about this meal. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly prepare three measures of fine flour needed and make bread cakes. You know, what's interesting about that, that must have taken a little while. You know, you don't just whip that up, uh, right? So uh, they uh, spend time together, and, and here uh, Sarah makes this meal. Abraham also ran to the herd, took a tender and choice calf, and gave it to the servants, and he hurried to prepare it. And when he took curds and milk to the calf of which he had prepared and placed it before them, he was standing by them under the tree uh, as they ate. And then you have, now they're going to speak and, and explain uh, that Sarah is going to have this child. But for our purposes, the main thing is that, that you have this big explanation of this meal. The meal itself was important. Uh, the, uh, the meal uh, demonstrated this relationship between Abraham and God. Abraham and, uh, you know, the angel of the Lord. Uh, and uh, the meal tells us that there was fellowship, that there was this uh, unity. Now, there's other places, right? One that we usually pass by is in the 26th chapter of uh, Breshit, in the 26th chapter of uh, Genesis. Here you have a situation regarding wells, uh, and now you have a negotiation between Abraham and a foreign and a foreign king, all right? And we see what happens. Uh, for our purposes, uh, the king is uh, Avimelech, who came from Gerar, right? Uh, and we read here in verse 26. This is sort of like the, uh, the uh, you know, uh, the negotiations uh, for a settlement of land, which makes for great teaching on a different Shabbat month. Okay. Then Avimelech came to him from Gerar with his advisor, Ahuzath and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come? It was Isaac. I'm sorry. You have Isaac here, not Abraham. Uh, uh, why have you come to me since you have me and have sent me away from you? And they said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us. Even between you and us, let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you uh, and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. Now you are blessed of the Lord. So they made a covenant. And then in verse 30, it says, Then they made a feast. Then he made them a feast, and they ate and they drank. 
Uh, that's very important. It's an important part of the covenant-making experience, sharing uh, this uh, meal uh, together. Then one more in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 24, you have this amazing experience where the covenant at Sinai is being ratified. And Moses is about to go up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments to, in stone. Okay, As you know from MSI classes and other teaching opportunities, Moses was going up and down that mountain like, like, a, you know, like a guy who's a mountain climber. Okay, uh, and, uh, But now he's going to actually go and get the commandments in stone. He had previously told the people the Ten Commandments and told the people the, the laws, but now he's going to get the tablets, right? So we read here in verse 9 of Exodus chapter 24, Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, and several of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. This was not a dream. It's not a vision. It says they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire, as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they beheld God, and they ate and drank. They had a meal. What did they do? They ate and they drank. Why do they eat and drink? Because, oh, wow, we're kind of hungry. We need a snack before we continue. Or it's really hot. We need a bottle of water. No, that the eating and drinking signified covenant relationship and inclusion and unity and acceptance, this time not only between certainly Nadab and Abihu and Moses, but God as well. You see? Uh, and so it, it, that is an, an amazing verse. And there are, there, are other, uh, there are other places in the Tanakh where people ate meals uh, as signs of, of covenant. You have the priesthood and the bread of the presence, and you have David eating and so on. There's lots of examples. But what is also quite interesting is that when we come to the Brit Harashah, when we come to the New Covenant, and you look at the life of Yeshua, may I just say, he was eating a lot, okay? Uh, he ate a lot. In fact, he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, uh, the text even tells us, right? Because he spent a lot of time eating and drinking uh, with, with people. Uh, and, uh, and you know what's also interesting is that you have a lot of these passages are actually in the Gospel of Luke. Um, there, some of them are in other places, but Luke seems to go out of his way to talk about this uh, table, uh, this table fellowship. And so again, I, I'm just going to mention uh, a, a few. Okay, uh, in uh, Luke uh, uh, chapter uh, 14. Let's go there in the in the New Covenant. The whole chapter is dedicated to eating. Okay, uh, and so it's uh, it's a rather uh, yeah. Uh, rather interesting. Okay, so in Luke chapter 14, the first thing we read here, and it came about when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on Shabbat to eat bread, that they were watching him closely, right? Uh, and what's interesting, it says, and there was in front of him a certain man suffering from dropsy. And Yeshua answered and spoke 
to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But uh, they kept silent and he took hold of that, of him and healed him and sent him uh, away. What's fascinating is that, so at a meal, Yeshua heals somebody. He heals somebody at a meal. He uh, teaches the scribes and the Pharisees uh, at, uh, at, this, uh, at this meal. And it is in the context of this meal when Yeshua says, I'm going to tell you a story. And it's actually a kind of a long story, so we're not going to read the whole thing, but it's about a meal, right? Uh, and it's about being invited to the meal, right? Uh, and uh, uh, it's about uh, not uh, being desirous of, uh, you know, taking uh, the best seats. It's about humility. But then he goes on in this story to tell another great lesson of people are invited to the meal, but they're too busy to come to the meal. And so then what does, you, then, you know, what does the master of the house say? Then go out to the highways and byways and invite people to the meal. Invite anybody to the meal. And so Yeshua uses this meal to talk about, you know, inclusion, that, that everyone is invited. Sinners, yes, are invited to the table. It's not just uh, uh, for those uh, who think of themselves as, you know, as a cut above but that everyone is invited to the table. And so, again, in this entire chapter 14 uh, is about a meal. Uh, and then in chapter 15, okay, in, in Luke uh, 15, now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. This issue of table fellowship, this issue of eating and drinking is very significant uh, in the culture. In the, I mean, we're talking, when we're talking about Genesis 18, and then we're talking about Luke chapter 15, we're talking about a few thousand years there, right? And so the, the point is, is that eating together uh, has always been important. And, and, you know, a very important sign. Now, what's interesting about chapter 15 is, is that Yeshua tells three stories in chapter 15 uh, about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And it's all precipitated by Yeshua being accused of eating with sinners. Okay, and so... Yeshua is saying here that, that, that I came for those that are lost. And of course, when he says that, he, you know, he, he means that they're all lost, not just uh, those who are the obvious ones, uh, but, uh, but all of them. Uh, and so you have that. You have uh, other, uh, you know, other passages uh, as, uh, you know, as, as well. Uh, of um, of eating uh, and, and and amazing things happen. You read about the feeding of five thousand, which was uh, you know a miraculous event, uh, and of uh, uh, you know a, a teaching, uh, very very important, uh, very important there. In uh, in the eleventh uh, chapter of Luke, uh, there there's another experience in the thirty seventh verse. 
It says, now when he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him. See, just like today, right? I uh, uh, asked to have lunch with him, and he went in and reclined at the table. And when the Pharisee saw it, he was surprised that he had not first ceremonially washed uh, before uh, the meal. So Yeshua uses now this eating opportunity to talk about purity. What is real purity? Now that is very interesting. So what does he say? He says, but the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of, and of the platter, but inside of you, you are full of robbery uh, and, uh, and wickedness. Uh, so it's interesting here because, you know, I would say that the first level is among everybody. It was transcultural. Among all the, the cultures, I, you know, providing food for a visitor, eating with someone, someone providing for you, you providing for another, the act of being at the same table was extremely important socially. Okay? Now, when you, then you add a layer in the Jewish world that it was so important that hundreds of rules were created to make sure that it's done right. And that was the problem, by the way, I, you know, with, with the Pharisees. That is the issue that's going on in Mark chapter 7. That is uh, the issue that's going on here. Yes, the Pharisees certainly understood the importance of table fellowship, but they created so many rules and regulations that it ended up, rather than being inclusive, it became ridiculously exclusive. I, and may I suggest, in Galatians, you know, table fellowship, you know, this issue with Peter and Paul, you know, that takes place in the second chapter. Very, very important. Table fellowship is very important. Uh, and in uh, the, new, uh, the new covenant way, uh, certainly uh, very important that there is, no one is excluded because they're either not Jewish or they don't fit in or they're, they're not the right person. And, and so, you know, uh, very, very, very important. And that comes out later on uh, in, uh, you know, in the, in the new covenant. So, so uh, clearly uh, this issue of, of eating is very important. Now, I, when Yeshua arose from the dead, eating takes on also a really, I'll just say a very interesting, uh, a very interesting uh, a meaning, okay, in a couple of different ways. All right. One is uh, in in Luke again in Luke in Luke twenty four in Luke twenty four you know on the uh, the Emmaus road there right uh, that you have a very interesting thing that the the followers of Yeshua don't recognize it that they they don't recognize it okay so very interesting when you go down to verse thirty five. You have the narrative of how they, it was at a meal that they finally recognize him. But when it's described in verse 35, it says, And they began to relate their experience on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. It's interesting that, that uh, it was uh, eating together this extraordinary fellowship that the Lord was revealed, that this is who he is, okay? 
Very interesting. Then, I, uh, it's not the only place. Now, in John chapter 21, that's where, uh, you know, uh, they, um, uh, Peter and company, they go fishing. They don't catch anything. Yeshua tells them to put the, the net in. They get all the fish that they could possibly uh, want. And then they come to the shore, and there's Yeshua with the fire, right? Uh, and uh, in uh, 21... 12, here's a great, a great verse, you know, that, and, and to quote Yeshua, come and have breakfast. Okay, Yeshua said to them, come and have breakfast. And it says, none of the disciples ventured to question him. Who are you knowing that it was uh, the Lord? Yeshua came and took the bread and gave them and the fish likewise, uh, and so on. And what is interesting is that after breakfast, and it, to me, it's just, you know, words are so important that in verse 15, it says, and when they had finished breakfast, why do we need to know that like the meal was over? And that there just seems to be there is, a, uh, there is some emphasis on eating, on going to eat, preparing the meal, eating, and then what happens after you eat, okay? And what is extraordinary here is that remember Peter, Peter who had denied the Lord, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes I, uh, I will say, or you've noticed in the scriptures, that when they recognize Yeshua, he says, you know, I'm going to meet you and make sure you bring Peter too, right? And we make a big deal out of that. But because of the inclusion of Peter, the forgiveness, uh, you know, when he had denied the Lord, but what's fascinating here is they eat this meal together, and now Yeshua not only has invited Peter, but now he, he, he has this remarkable exchange with, with Peter over a meal, over a meal. So, the, you know, uh, you, you know what, he, what it says. Is he said to him, uh, um, after they had finished breakfast, Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs, and so on. All right? The point is, it's over this meal. Uh, and uh, uh, so, uh, you know, N.T. Wright, who we uh, mention from time to time, right? He has a great quote about this. He says, when Yeshua himself wanted to explain to the disciples what his forthcoming death was all about. He didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. <laughs> but that was really very interesting. And uh, you can apply that to, to a lot. When Yeshua wanted to, want to uh, teach, uh, teach people uh, uh, about the kingdom of God, he, didn't, uh, he did not have a PowerPoint presentation. He ate with them, you know? Uh, when, when Yeshua, and you can read about a number of, like we saw someone being healed. When Yeshua healed people, sometimes it was over a meal. Uh, and, and so whether we're talking about the Tanakh or the Brit Chadashah, uh, it is amazing how much uh, takes place over food, over eating together. All right? So clearly this is important to, uh, to all of us. You know, one of the things we learn from these passages is that Table fellowship, that's the term that's often used. Sitting at the same table, having koinonia, sharing that, that kind of experience with each other. 
Uh, that is, it's a place of blessing, a place of delight. A place of delight? Well, it just so happens uh, that the word oneg means delight. That's what it means. Oneg, delight. That's what the word means. Okay? Uh, now, of course, it's taken on, um, uh, another, it's, it's sort of an activity. It takes on a, a meaning just in the word oneg being a, uh, you know, an after the service experience. Traditionally in the synagogue, traditionally in the synagogue, what takes place is you have challah and you have juice or wine and maybe a little pastry or maybe a, a bagel or something like that. And people stick around and say, like, how was your week? What's new with you? What's, uh, show me more pictures of your grandchildren. And by the way, I have plenty of those. All right. Uh, and, uh, and, and so on. So, um, you know, it's not so much as, as our good friend David Rudolph once wrote. It's not about the meal. He wrote, a, he wrote it about men. So it's not about the meal. It's about uh, the men. It's not about the, the, the food. The meal is the vehicle. To something. It's not an end unto itself, you know, uh, and uh, very important. So we might say it's not about the food, it's about the fellowship, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and so important, uh, so important for us to, to understand that. Uh, you know, some have even gone so far as to refer to eating together as a spiritual discipline. And think about it. I think it's a great, it really is very good because what is a spiritual discipline? It is a physical, tactile activity that you part, that you do that either is like universal, like, um, you know, reading is a physical act, right? Uh, so like reading the Bible, but, but you know how some people like to journal, other people might go for a walk and it draws you closer to God by that physical activity. Well, may I suggest that Sharing time together over the table, whether it's just a cup of tea, cup of coffee, or a meal, or whatever it might be, God is in it. And when it, when it occurs between two Messiah followers, even if you're not reading the Bible, okay, but just communicating with each other, growing in your, your, your personal relationship, God is in the mix. God is in the mix that something is happening even if you don't feel it, other than eating the food. And, uh, you know, there is something to be said. You know how some people, like we use the term, uh, uh, oh, I think I'm hangry, right? There's something to be said for filling your tummy with something and feeling good and having a good conversation, whether it's drink or food or whatever it may be. I will say that I always enjoy, whenever I meet with anybody, in fact, I not only enjoy it, almost require it, <laughs> like a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And unless we're talking about something that, that is so, so uh, heavy that, you know, you don't want to be in a public place, I like meeting people at a co- with people at a coffee shop, uh, even if it's a serious conversation, because there's something about just sitting at the table, sharing that experience. Uh, among uh, Messiah followers, you know there is. Um, I won't. I don't have. I won't take. Actually, I won't take. There's lots of blessings, like Hebrew blessings, uh, over all different kinds of food, right? And you know, you know the uh, you know the formula, right? Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam. 
Blessed are you, uh, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who, who creates the fruit of the vine, who brings forth bread from the earth, who create, and, and when you're eating all kinds of things, you say, who creates everything that the, you know, all, who creates everything that we eat. <laughs> uh, and then there's, you know, there's blessings for uh, all different, whether, you know, you're going to eat or, or we know Birkat HaMazon after you eat. Uh, there's all kinds of blessings surrounding a meal and acknowledging God, uh, you know, uh, because recognizing, being thankful uh, and recognizing that uh, God is uh, God is in the mix. Eating is a place of edification. It's a place of healing. It's a place of uh, of acceptance. And so it's not just about feeding people. It's really about fellowship in the real meaning of what that is, that shared messianic experience, that, sh that shared messianic experience. And, you know, uh, also, not only does it fill us up and cause us to uh, have, have strong relationships one with another, and we read so many one another passages, you know, love one another, uh, admonish one another, uh, we're members one of another, physically that one another takes place over that shared experience. And that shared experience is supposed to be such that it's a taste of something that's coming in the future. And what's really interesting is, is that the world to come is likened to a, a banquet, is likened to a, a meal experience. In uh, Isaiah chapter 25, in verse 6, And the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain he will swallow up the covering which is over all people, even the veil which is stretched over the nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from uh, all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Uh, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice uh, you know, and be glad in his uh, salvation. And you know, it certainly is no coincidence that we read these same kinds of words in the book of Revelation, when we read about the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, it has a lot of relationship to this lavish banquet that we're reading about. So the, the world to come, the, the return of the Lord, our union with, with Yeshua uh, is likened unto table fellowship. And of course, I haven't talked about it here, but when we have Messiah's table, Yeshua takes this whole thing to a whole new level and that we're participating in the meal and the meal is all about himself when we have Messiah's table. It's not just passing out matzah in a little cup and remembering what Yeshua did a long time ago, but that, that he is in the mix and that there is this uh, spiritual dynamic that is taking place uh, in the meal. 
Uh, and, and so when we have, when we come together, uh, for, uh, the, uh, the Oneg, uh, we need to recognize that it's not just, oh, the congregation is providing a convenience. Okay. That's not what it is. I mean, obviously it's good that you don't have to leave right away and go out for lunch. Obviously you've been here for a long time. The service ends. You're hungry. You need to eat. Clearly. No doubt about it. But, you know, I was trying to figure out when we actually started Oneg. So I, I, I think it was somewhere around 1997 or 98, when for the first time in our history, we actually had the freedom of not having to pack up and leave immediately after the service, <laughs> you know? And I remember the conversation, uh, and I remember what precipitated the conversation. So if any of you were ever, anybody at that Hamilton Road that, where we were met at Hamilton? Okay, some of you. Now, isn't that amazing in and of itself? Okay. So uh, it was a strange building, all right? Uh, it was the kind of place where you had to wonder, where is the front door? Uh, all right. So anyway, when you would come in, immediately there was a little tiny hallway. <laughs> a little tiny hallway. And there was like, like, you know how in like elementary school, you have like hooks to hang up coats, right? So when you walked in, immediately when you walked in, you were in the, you were in the foyer coat room of the congregation, okay? And that, so it was, had to be a cold day because I remember standing at the door and the service ended on greeting people, you know, and I see everybody is putting their coats on and getting ready to leave because everybody's hungry and they're going to go to one of the varieties of restaurants in the area. And I remember just thinking, you know, isn't it a shame that everybody's leaving? You, 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 you know, and uh, of course, people have been doing it. It just struck me that, you know, I just struck me that day. And, uh, and Elliot uh, as, as well. I remember we had this conversation about it, uh, uh, about uh, providing something after the meal, uh, after the uh, service, and thus began having own eggs for the express purpose of keeping people here to, uh, to have fellowship uh, 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 together. Okay. And, uh, you know, in those days, we had one room. Not only were you in the foyer and the coat room, but the sanctuary also served as the social hall. And so everybody was trained, basically, that into the service, you pick up your chair and uh, move your chair like toward against a wall. And then we would set up tables and the, and the chairs. Uh, and we'd have some food and everybody was working hard and hanging around and and it was really something very special about, about that, you know, about that experience. But that's where the Yoneggs come from. And, and that is indeed uh, the goal. And so when we're having the, uh, when we stick around, you know, when we're really intentional about it, it really is a glimpse of the future because we're, we're seeing how each other is, we're, we're speaking into each other's lives, or maybe having a, a light moment and laughing or, or just building relationships. You know, and that's the goal, right? It's sort of everything that we learn and our entire worship in the sanctuary experience, it's like now becomes an event that we're engaging in, you know, at, at, at Oneg time, whether it's uh, teens uh, going into the teen room or some people sitting at picnic tables or, you know, or, or, in, the, uh, or in the social hall. That is where the action is. 
where we're really building relationship. And I think that over this past year plus, that's that. You can't do that on Zoom. You can't do that uh, uh, watching a, a, a service. It is a it is a personal uh, it is a personal thing, and so it is very important to us. Uh, and uh, as we always do at Beth Messiah, we're slow and deliberate in almost everything we do. And so we started with let's meet, let's begin meeting, let's meet with a little more people. Now we're where we're at now, and now we're going to begin uh, this shared experience. So for the next, as I said, for the next few weeks. Uh, the, the congregation is going to provide some healthy snacks like a veggie tray and maybe cheese and crackers, that kind of thing. And uh, you can bring a, a, a lunch if you'd like. All right. And we'll provide hot beverages and cold beverages and stick around. Okay. Uh, and greet one another, hang out with one another, talk about the message, you know, talk about all the things you didn't like, uh, whatever it is. It's all good. All right, as long as we're all talking to each other, right? Uh, and, and it is, you know, certainly edification. So, you know, the, uh, the uh, Oneg is a place of blessing, and it's a place of healing. Isn't it interesting? It's a place of blessing. It's a place of healing. It's a place of ministry, a place of edification. And it's a place of giving of ourselves. That's why we don't want to just be receivers of the Oneg. We want to be givers of the delight. That's why everybody, if, if a person is able to be at an oneg, a person is able to serve at an oneg. You know, and there's all, you know, little ways and big ways, but it's very, very, uh, very important. And it is, again, this, the serving alone, it brings us into this unique one another action of God being in the mix, you know, and great, uh, and great uh, satisfaction. So, you know, so we're going to do that for a few weeks. Then on July 31st, we're going to have this big picnic. We got all kinds of things planned for that. You'll be hearing about it. It'll be after the service. So it's not like, oh, you know, I'm coming for the service, but I can't come on Sunday to the uh, picnic. <laughs> but it's all going to be on one day. All right. Uh, and then beginning in August, our own egg teams uh, will return. And I hope that every single one of us will be on a team and that we'll all do our best to be able to stay uh, and have that kind of koinonia, have that kind of fellowship, because it is amazing what God does uh, over, over, the, uh, over the table of fellowship. And so... May, uh, you know, we have a lot to look forward to. Uh, uh, we have a lot to look forward to. And I know that I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, after the service, uh, lots of people around and, you know, and then having the Torah study uh, later, you know, like 1.30 in the afternoon and people are still around and all that. That, um, that is all part of who we are uh, as a community, uh, as a congregation, as a kihilah. And uh, not only is it the theme of uh, Kambi Aladim, it really is who we are. Uh, and that is really what community is. So uh, with those thoughts in mind, uh, let's uh, pray uh, and we'll be all set. Glory to God. Uh, 
Lord, we just uh, pray that, uh, uh, God, we might take this to heart. And Lord, uh, I pray, God, that uh, uh, you indeed uh, would be in our midst as we stick around after the service. And may we do so intentionally, really recognizing what's happening, that uh, you are building relationship, uh, that you are strengthening us as a community, as we fulfill our mission of making disciples, making disciples one of another at the Yonag, making disciples of demonstrating what life and Messiah is about. Lord, and I pray, God, that uh, we might experience this table fellowship not only on Shabbat, but on the other six days of the week from time to time. We might meet up with people. We might go to a coffee shop. We might uh, have a lunch. We might invite someone over to our home. And I pray, God, that in all of this, we would be strengthened. And I pray, Lord, that as we do so intentionally, we do so intentionally, we will indeed edify one another. I pray that we would talk about, like, the message or a, or a book we're reading or an MSI class we're taking and, and uh, you know, or... Uh, just, you know, raising our kids or talking about our grandchildren or our, our job or um, uh, our, uh, you know, the, uh, the challenges that we have and that we might pray for one another and pray with one another. Uh, and, uh, and in doing so, really intercede one to another, love one another, build up one another, edify one another, exhort uh, one another truly be members one of another, Lord. And uh, God, may we experience what that organic unity is like in the Ruach HaKodesh. And thank you, God, um, you know, that, that there is an alternative way to live, and that is life in Messiah. And may we demonstrate that here at Beth Messiah. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.